0: Our uh, scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of John. This is John 10, verses 1 through 11, or 1 through 21. And this is the last public address that Jesus gives in this Gospel. Let's listen together for the Word of God. <laughs> God, such a prankster. (laughs) (laughs) Let's listen. Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because the hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my father. Again, the Jews were divided because of these words. Many of them were saying, he has a demon and is out of his mind. Why listen to him? Others were saying, these are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Word of God for the people of God. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. This is a statement of Jesus that is ripe for speculation. Who is he talking about? Buddhists, Hindus, Muslims? How wide is the welcome of Jesus? Is he talking about Scientologists, humanists, atheists? Is the sheep pen of Christ built large enough to hold only Jews and Christians, or will all of humanity eventually pass through that gate? These are questions that have engaged brilliant theological minds for generations. But at our staff Bible study on Monday, your intrepid Hot Metal staff was ready to explore new theological territory. We didn't just want to know whether Jesus was expanding the boundaries of his kingdom beyond our religion. We wondered if he was expanding the boundaries beyond... Our solar system. We wanted to know whether Jesus was talking about aliens, like from space. Now before you get too impressed with us and the, the topics we choose to give our time to, you should know that we are not the first people to ever ask these sorts of questions. There are others who have wondered how the existence of intelligent life in the universe might uh, affect our understanding of Jesus. For example, check this out. If the salvation of the human species depends on the incarnation of God and the human person of Jesus, following me so far? Is it necessary for the salvation of other intelligent species that God also becomes incarnate in one of their people? I know, I'm straight up blowing your minds here. It's my 420 sermon. But if you think about it, I'm sure you can think of some aliens with sins to atone for. Like the creature from the movie Predator. Or the aliens from War of the Worlds. Or how about just the alien from Alien. And speaking as a Star Wars fan, I would find the torture and execution of Jar Jar Binks for the redemption of all gun guns very satisfying. (laughs) Theologically. More seriously though, this sort of theological speculation became a little more urgent a few years ago when NASA announced the discovery of Kepler-452b, the most Earth-like planet ever found outside of our solar system. Some people wondered whether there would need to be a Kepler Jesus there to save the people of Kepler-452b. And the Vatican had an answer. (laughs) Because we are all made by one creator, we only need one Jesus. Vatican astronomer Father Jose Gabriel Funes said, to say it as St. Francis of Assisi would, if we consider some earthly creatures as brother and sister, why couldn't we also talk of an extraterrestrial brother? He would also belong to creation. And Pope Francis seemed to agree when he said that if a Martian... Ever approached him for baptism he would do it that was an actual topic of conversation (laughs) you can read about on the internet and another Vatican astronomer said that aliens who want baptism should get it because and I quote any entity no matter how many tentacles it has has a soul which is (laughs) A fascinating statement, and I wonder whether the astronomer will keep feeling that way about robots as artificial intelligence improves. Will he baptize the Terminator when it wants to repent of its sins against Sarah Connor? I don't know. But before I get carried away here... (laughs) Too late, everyone's thinking... Let me bring it back to a serious topic. What would Jesus think about aliens becoming Christians? Such an important topic. Well, I doubt that he had aliens on his mind during this speech. I doubt he had most of the world's religions on his mind when he made this speech. I think he was speaking specifically about the Gentiles when he said that he has other sheep. But as we saw in this morning's passage, even the thought of just the Gentiles being saved was divisive enough without bringing aliens into the mix. For the Jewish people at the time, Gentiles were not people that were in need of saving. Gentiles were the people that the people needed saved from. The Gentiles were the Assyrian empire who expelled them from the kingdom of Israel in the sixth century. The Gentiles were the Babylonians who destroyed their temple in the eighth century. The Gentiles were the Romans who occupied Israel Oppressed them and destroyed their second temple around the time that Mark was writing his gospel This is why the message about the Good Shepherd leaves the Jewish audience divided Who would want to be one flock with these Gentiles? These are the ravings of a madman say many of those who were listening But others wondered can he really be that crazy? Maybe we're the crazy ones Maybe we are the ones who have shut our eyes to possibility, to a new thing that God is doing in the world, to a new way of being human. Maybe we should give this a chance. After all, it would be nice to be at peace with at least some of our neighbors for once. And these were the ones who were starting to get it. We're starting to understand what the kingdom of God was all about because what we see throughout the New Testament and throughout Christian history is that there is a trajectory to the kingdom of God it is ever widening circles of inclusion with Jesus at the center. In the stories that come after the gospels, the church welcomes Gentiles, folks who do not look like them, ethnic outsiders that they used to regard as enemies. The apostle Philip welcomes the Ethiopian eunuch, a sexual outsider who doesn't fit into the gender expectations and categories that society wants to force him into. And there's even the story of a religious terrorist, Saul of Tarsus, who gets a second chance and goes on to write much of our Christian scriptures. And these are stories that have shaped our community at Hot Metal. The trajectory of the kingdom has pulled us in certain directions. To follow the Holy Spirit's leading has required us to overcome some of the divisions that we sometimes put between ourselves and others. Or as the Apostle Paul put it, Christ breaks down the dividing walls of hostility. And this is why we reach out to folks in the homeless community. It's why our church welcomes and affirms LGBT people, blesses marriages, and supports families. It's why we have a professional American Sign Language interpreter at every service. It's why we have committed ourselves to anti-racism work. It's why we host three meals a week where strangers can break bread together and become friends. We've made these choices not because we are too wishy-washy to resist a supposedly liberal culture. It's not because we see ourselves as a privileged group that is having compassion on the less privileged as some kind of noble sacrifice. Now we've made these choices because we sense that the Holy Spirit is making all of us into one flock. And wherever we see potential to live into that new reality, we do. That's not always easy. The people who scoffed at Jesus and said he had a demon had good reason to be afraid of what he was saying. They had good reason to fear the other sheep that Jesus wanted to join with their flock. It's really no wonder that they wanted to shut him down. It seemed like he didn't understand the risk. And for some people today, the risk is not so much whether to welcome new people into church or not. For some, the question is whether to take the risk of going to church. You see, Christianity is not the kingdom of God. The trajectory of the kingdom of God is ever widening circles of inclusion, but Christians have to decide whether they are going to go with that flow or resist it. And there are times when we have chosen to resist it. Some of us here have experienced the results of those churches, those choices firsthand. Some of us have experienced abuse and alienation and exclusion from the very communities that promise to give us healing and inclusion and belonging. The church is supposed to be a place where our wounds are healed, but sometimes instead it is the reason that we are wounded. So it's no wonder, really, when people decide not to take the risk of showing up for church. And there are different risks uh, maybe for those of us who do feel invited, included, empowered. It can feel risky to cross the boundaries that divide us. It can feel awkward to talk with each other when there's a language barrier. It can be challenging to listen to people's stories that might cause us to reconsider long-held beliefs. And sometimes overcoming division requires coming to terms with our own complicity with injustice and that puts our self-regard as good people at risk. But the cost of these risks is relatively small when compared to the riches of the kingdom of God, the comfort of being led by the good shepherd, the joy of becoming one flock. And so the question I want to leave with you this morning is this. What is a risk That the Holy Spirit is nudging you to take, to reach across some boundary or division, to experience the abundant life of the kingdom of God, and to invite someone to share that with you. That's my question. I do have a final thought about Jesus and aliens. I think that Jesus would say that our Catholic brothers who are ready, ready to welcome aliens into the Christian family are on the right track because they are ready to spread the welcome of the kingdom of God even wider. And when we encounter people who are different from us, we worry that it will end in disaster, that the strangers will be like aliens in the movie Mars Attacks. But when Jesus is the good shepherd, the encounter can be more like close encounters of the third kind. We can experience connection and understand that we are all created by the one God, all redeemed by the one Jesus, and all made one flock by the Holy Spirit. Amen.